I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I have a question for you. How are your relationships with anyone in your life, those close, those loved ones, those maybe at work or school, in your neighborhood? Do you have do you have okay relationships? Do you have decent relationships? Maybe you've got some good relationships. Well, how would you like to have great relationships? And really, you know, that is one thing that I think we overlook a lot of times is the importance of great relationships, but is one of the healthiest things for your physical health, even your mental health, your spiritual health. And I am excited today to welcome someone back on the program who is focusing on developing great relationships wherever you're at. His name is Herman Eben, and he is uh, the author of many books. He's got a couple out now that we're going to touch on. Uh, and there's a whole series coming out uh, in the upcoming months, but this is a good place to start. Uh, the first one, <laughs> the first book, is uh, one of those questions, and I know you've probably been there before. How did this happen to me? And the second one we'll get to here shortly. But Herman, first of all, welcome back to Life Today Live. Great to have you on. Well, thank you, Randy. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um. So here's here's a question. When you when you say, okay, I'm going to help people have better relationships, why do you start with this question? Why did this happen to me? Yeah, how did this happen to me? That is so, so typical of whenever I'm talking to people and probably when you're talking to people, helping counseling them, you know, they they seem in a quandary as to why the relationship is not working. And that always tends to show up, you know, I, I hate what's going on. How did this happen? They, they feel like they need to give you a long history of their entire relationship as to how this came to be. You know, looking at the history of a relationship is interesting, but I always like to get people to focus on what's happening right now. Because what's happening right now is the only thing you can do something about. Uh, we we want to look at the history and try to divine a a an answer from what's gone on in the past. But unfortunately, Satan gets us trapped in the past by constantly trying to figure out what happened in the past instead of just looking at what's going on right now, mm. what's happening in your relationship right now. Because God has an answer for everything that's going on in your relationship right now. You don't have to revisit the past to try to figure that out. So it's it's really important for people to grasp that mindset when we first start counseling counseling people. What How did this happen to me? Well, at some point, I tell them relationships are really simple. Do you think many people believe that? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> no, no, in fact, most people don't. So uh, my standard answer and is um, <clears throat> semi-long, but I, I look at them and say, uh, you know, we have 500 videos online, 200, 200 blogs, 75 TV shows, more than 120 podcasts, and a 250-page manual, and I can tell you everything you need to know in 10 seconds. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> and I say, 
there's a problem in every relationship. You make everything about yourself. The solution for every relationship is to pursue the best for others patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. And so I pause and look at them and then I say, so go and be healed. <laughs> <laughs> and they go rush out and do it, don't they? Yeah, yeah, sure they yeah. do. And of course they laugh and I typically say, so uh, why don't you leave? And they give me a variety of answers. And basically it, at some point we come to, you actually don't believe that. Yeah. You actually don't believe that the problem is you and you don't believe that the solution is to pursue the best for others. You really don't believe it. That's exactly what God's word's telling us. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's that's how it goes most of the time. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. Uh, no, uh, we're, <laughs> we'll, we'll get a little deeper into this. Uh, because, so, but here's one question that I think is fair. Uh, because if you ask, you know, how did I how did I get here? How did this happen to me? You're talking about the past, and yet you're saying, but we should live in the in the present. But a lot of people's present is. Uh, not working for them because of their past. Yep. And so, you know, you sit down with a psychiatrist or a licensed counselor or something like that. A lot of they, they will, they want to hear the past to see how you got to where you're at. What's the balance between um, facing your past so that it, you can quit carrying it into your future versus yeah. living only in the present and kind of moving on? Because sometimes moving on, I mean, that's the problem. People can't, right? You, you can't. That's exactly right. People let their past define them as opposed to just having a past. In fact, that is some of the simplicity that we talk about. God has provided that solution, which is love. When we talk about pursuing their best patiently, kindly, sacrificially, unconditionally, that's our working definition of love, that you don't fall in love. You don't fall out of love. You make a decision. You act. It is something you do. It is not a feeling. Mm -hmm. Love engenders feelings or creates feelings, but it is a decision. But in order to recognize that you're willing to love, God has given us two critical tools so that the past no longer is carrying you through today. And those two tools are forgiveness and confession. Mm. So if somebody has done something wrong to me, the way I get over the past is I forgive them. Just like God said, just like Jesus said in, in Luke 17, if a person comes and repents, uh, forgive them. And if they come back and do it six more times in the day or seven more times, you know, uh, forgive them. And it's the way he answers that. It's, it's what I'm asking you to do. It has nothing to do with faith to be able to do that. So Satan wants us trapped in the past why? Because when we look at the past, we can't do anything about it, and we become hopeless. We end up becoming bitter. We end up holding grudges, and we think that we have to get justice for what's happened in the past. And in order to go forward, we have to have that resolved. That's what we're thinking. Yeah. Okay. So, and I want to ask you about that, because someone who, uh, a woman who had been, uh, molested as a child uh, uh struggled with that very thing because she said mm -hmm. when it's one thing I, I i've been told to let go of my past and i don't know that i can do that and so what someone said to her that she was able to wrap her mind around was 
to just just let it be, just leave it alone. Like, not deny that it's that it ever happened. Um, not, you know, we can't. Well, we can talk about justice, but to say, you know what? I know it's there. It's there. I'm going to walk. I'm going to leave it there. Right. And let God do what He wants with it. But I'm not going to leave it there. I'm not. I'm not. You know, letting it go or letting someone off the hook who is guilty. I'm just. I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to move on with my life. Is there any any sense in that? Does that resonate? Absolutely. At all? That is exactly in in the in the book. How did this happen to me? We talk about our seven steps that we use in forgiveness. Hmm. We talk we talk about seven steps about confession also, but that is so important. In fact, if you can answer two critical questions about forgiveness, you'll be way down the road. First. What is forgiveness? And if you don't have a good definition for forgiveness, it's not going to be easy for you to do. And then second question, how do I know I've done it? Uh, those are really important questions, aren't they? Really important questions, because what I have discovered in my own life is I know that I have forgiven, but Satan keeps whispering this little statement in my ear and he'll do the same for anybody when you forgive. And that little statement is, but they still did it to you mm-hmm. to try to get you to go back and relive what's happened in the past, as opposed to the very things that you were saying, Randy. God allowed this, just like uh, uh, Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Uh, I can remember that. But I need to also remember that definition of forgiveness that we use, never abusing them for the wrong they did to you in thought, word, or actions. Mm. So once I forgive, I am not going to let those thoughts of the past taint my mind, cause me to be uh, shackled to my past, I'm going to walk forward with God knowing that he is the one that allowed that to happen. So it's time for me to move forward with God. And the minute Satan whispers in my ear, but they still did it, (laughs) then that is where you can answer the second question. How do I know I did that? Well, that's the reason why when we go through the forgiveness issues, you really want to, especially in those big events, tie a date to that time that you forgave. Mm-hmm. So the, the time that Louie and I forgave each other is October 15, 1991. Mm-hmm. So anytime what, Satan whispers in my ear, but she did, still did it to you, I can ask one simple question. Did I forgive Louie when I said I did mm-hmm. on October 15, 1991? There's only two answers to that question because it's a closed-ended question. <laughs> yes. Or no. Mm-hmm. If no, then I go back to step one in the forgiveness process and start over. Mm-hmm. If yes, I claim 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, take every thought captive, subject it to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And literally, I will have a tendency to say, shut up, Satan, get out of my life. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that you are going to take care of this and you're going to take those thoughts and immediately go to step seven praying blessing and peace upon the person you forgave. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That And, you know, I think that's the unforgotten half or part, 
you will, of forgiveness, because that's the scriptural definition. Um, yeah, when when you are willing to pray blessing and peace upon your enemies, upon those who have wronged you, you know that you probably did forgive. I can't guarantee it, but you know, I, I, I think it's very, very true because that's exactly what Jesus did. He said, Father, forgive them on the cross. And who did he bless first? He sent the Holy Spirit to Jerusalem and Jerusalem was along with us, obviously, who put him on the cross. Yeah. And he sent the Holy Spirit first to Jerusalem. So that's that's the model that we use in the forgiveness, that you want to bless the people that have hurt you because our definition of best is not God's definition of best <laughs> no, most of the time. <laughs> no, and which which leads me into the next point, which is justice, because I, I really think this is where a lot of people struggle, especially those who have been not just, uh, you know, uh, had a bad relationship or even— uh, a, a failure of a commitment, you know, a betrayal, mm -hmm. like, like you're talking about, but actual abuse, actual harm. Uh, and we could, you can, you can let your mind go where that could go. Cause there are all sorts of really awful things that people do to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think the issue of justice is, can become, you know, a millstone around people's necks. And I, the only place I can go that works for, for me, theologically and emotionally in some ways, is the question of do I trust God's justice over my own justice? And I pray it's never really put to the test because that's a hard one. But yeah. can we really restore ourselves and other relationships without trusting God to that level, which is a hard level? Yeah, you, no, you can't. I totally agree with you. You can't. And that's the reason why the second step in forgiveness, first step is to face their humanity. This spells the acronym forgave, to face their humanity. They're just a broken creature just like you are. Mm -hmm. The second step is overlook revenge. That's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime we try to get revenge on somebody, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That means we have no right mm -hmm. to, for, to for revenge. Yeah. So anytime we're trying to seek justice, so to speak, we're telling God to get off his throne and let us sit there for a while. So that's, that's a, a big problem. What though, the bigger problem though, that I see in talking to people, Randy, is you tend, people tend to tie forgiveness to other things. That is one of those issues, meaning I can't forgive unless I get justice. Well, that isn't how it works. I can't, I can't, I can't forgive unless I get reconciliation. Well, that isn't how it works either. I can't forgive unless I forget. You know, they tie forgiveness to something else, and forgiveness is a standalone. Forgiveness does not does not require reconciliation. It doesn't require for, forgive uh, justice either. So. When you do those type of things and tie something to forgiveness, it's probably it's probably a work of Satan because he's trying to prevent you from forgiveness and understand the freedom that well, forgiveness gives. You're, you're, you're tying yourself without realizing it. And, and that's, that's really right. hard for a lot of people to see. Okay, you talked about confession. What is the confession part of this? The confession is the second tool. Either you have harmed somebody and therefore you need to confess, and then forgiveness, that means somebody's harmed you. So both of those 
help you get out of the past. The whole idea of forgiveness is when others harm you. The whole idea of forg- uh, confession is when you have harmed somebody else. Mm. And we we have another acronym, and it spells confess, obviously. <laughs> We're <laughs> trying to do it that way. But the big idea is, again, have a definition. Confession is an external act of an internal change of heart. So, and we need to have that definition and we need to understand the order of confession too. Confession is first to God, then to man. So why first to God? Because he's the only one that actually is able to deal with your sin. He dealt with it at the cross. And now he's asking you to agree with him that what you're doing is wrong. And when you agree with him that what you're doing is wrong, it reestablishes the relationship with him. Mm -hmm. So I confess first to God, and then I go confess to the person that I harmed. And if they don't forgive me, God has already done that. Mm -hmm. And I don't don't have to have their forgiveness to be able to move forward. You you mentioned the phrase, confessing that what we're doing is wrong. I think a lot of times it's, it's... easier to get to that point to go yeah my actions were wrong and really the root is you need to confess what you're thinking is good excellent excellent that's exactly right because our thinking is what's driving our feelings and our emotions our our thinking is the ultimate end point Mm -hmm. which you've got to go to see what's going on in your life and that's that's the purpose of counseling to get people into the reality of looking where is your mind right now your mind is trapped in the past. You need forgiveness or confession. We need to be able to go forward. Yeah. Really important stuff for us to keep in our minds. Okay. Whew. Well, this is this is packed. All right. We're talking, we've been talking a bit uh, about out of this book, the first in a series called How Did This Happen to Me? And you can, you can find uh, Herman Eben's resources at greatrelate.com. That's G-R, the number eight relate.com for those of you listening on audio uh and then the second book in the series which a lot of these things tie into it but it gets to the core of where a lot of people have really bad relationships (laughs) is a book called what happened to us uh and you know the the you harvey you you see how marriage has been under attack in our society Mm-hmm. Just even saying that marriage is really only, I mean, the government can, you know, call a banana tree an apple tree. It doesn't make it a, an apple tree. You can call something marriage. It doesn't make it marriage. It's the only real marriage, according to the way the universe was set up by God himself, is between one man and one woman. And that is in scripture. Yep. So we're not just extrapolating something. I, this, this is such a foundational thing for individuals for families, for communities, for nations. Uh, whoa, what's happening with marriages, man? Mm, yeah, it's, it is really a great work of Satan because the way we look at the design of men and women, it's based on the image of God. And that the way that we look at the image of God, and this is not, uh, not something that I derived, it's some one of my mentors, and I'm sure there's plenty of other people that have thought about it this way, the image of God 
the way we look at it is he's powerful and relational. How do we get there? Because of Genesis 1, 26 through 27, where it talks 26 through 28, but in 26 and 27, it says, and he created them, male and female, he created them in the image of God. Uh, go to, you, it, it, it's a little bit too long of a discussion to uh, look at it, but everything that you can think about with a, a man and a woman, man represents the powerful part of the image of God. Woman represents the relational mm -hmm. capabilities of God. Mm -hmm. So if God's image is more along the line of he's powerful and relational, and you can tie all his attributes up into those columns, we have that in the book. Uh, if that's true, then you can start understanding how marriages will work best. Now think about it this way. If that's true, I am designed to be more of the powerful side of God, so to speak, Louie, my wife, is designed to be the more relational aspect. So when we get married, we have the best representation of the image of God hmm. when you start thinking about it that way. Interesting. And and all of that, the way that we come down to this, and you can see it, it's very simple. Genesis chapter 2 talks about man being designed to work, uh, tend and keep the garden, till the ground, woman, Eve, was designed to be a suitable companion to relate, so to speak. Yeah. And yeah. then if you look at Genesis chapter 3, you see how the judgments play into this in a big way, too. We'll have a book on that. <laughs> I'm, I, won't, I won't go down this rabbit hole too far, but the, the companion, and there is the, the childbearing aspect of it, uh, it's funny that the things that are derided in the world right now are work, you know, and uh, the woman taking care of a home i mean my yeah my my, my wife and i uh, i'll put myself in there because i was there raised four children and let me tell you she kept the home 24 7 while i went off to work you know eight hours a day sometimes 10 or 12 but you know it's mm. it's a it's a two-part deal there's no one more valuable than the other or more significant than the other it it only works that way, and, and it's a struggle. And for people that are not in that situation, it's not condemnation. It's sympathy because we know it's even harder for you. But yeah. I want where are you going and, and what happened to us uh, specifically? What are, you, what are you covering? Well, what we're covering there is the whole idea of the designs of men and women, okay. uh, how those designs are complementary to each other, and how he designed these to make it work. So instead of arguing who's better, yeah. a simple little phrase to use is equal in value, different in design and role. That's good. Yeah, that is that is from one of my mentors, Dr. Marlon Howe. And I love that little statement. That, that is good. And it's, it's not who's better. It's we're better. <laughs> yeah, and it's a we we're far better. Bingo. Very, very true. You got a lot of uh courses you got them like i said on, on your website you got more of these series coming out uh hopefully to to help people walk through relationships it's so funny this is so almost basic but yet we miss it you know we do what we do, do we, right? what, what do we need to know about relationships yeah what we need to know is relationships are counterintuitive just like the solution. The solution for a relationship is for me to serve you mm. instead of demanding that you serve me. Uh, 
If you would just change, I'd be happy. That's the that's the phrase that we most often use (laughs) in our relationships with each other. Instead, instead, I need to be recognizing I'm going to pursue his best. I'm going to pursue Randy's best uh, no matter how he treats me. Why? Because that's God's model for us. God does that for us. And when you model how God does relationships, man, that's the best way to have relationships. But the, the big question that people will have is, well, if I'm doing all of this, what can I expect from others? Well, you're going to set yourself into a big trap if you do that. <laughs> Don't go there. Just pay attention that God is going to judge you, not for their actions. He's going to judge you for your actions. Yeah, well, and, you know, there's also the truth that when you're less focused on yourself and more focused on the needs of others, you're just happier. You know? Amen. So even even if they don't respond the way that you want them to respond and the relationship doesn't form the way you want it to, because it does take two in a relationship, mm-hmm. you're going to find that God will honor your attitude and you will find happiness even even if the relationship falls apart, no fault of your own. So, I mean, there's there's what you're saying is so loaded with truth. It goes right to the heart of Christ. And that just it sure does. It doesn't fail, you know. Everything else can fall around you, but that won't fail. Absolutely, Randy. Totally agree with you. Oh, man. Well, thanks for the free therapy session. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> hopefully every, everybody out there feels the benefit that I do. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go? Uh, appreciate you so much. And I know you're you're going to encourage people and help people for a long time now that you put it in a book and, and you know put it down in places where people can access it at any point. Anything you want to add before I let you go, Herman? Oh, just uh, keep this simple little uh, phrase in mind. It takes two to say yes and only one to say no. If both people are saying yes, great relationship. If one says no, it's going to be more difficult. True. There you go. See, you make it so simple. <laughs> Why do you? This is such such complex things, and yet you you hit it with such simplicity. It's great. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, good. And appreciate you guys out there uh, watching. Uh, if this has helped you, share it with somebody else. Uh, if you haven't liked, follow, or subscribe, do that, and be sure to check out greatrelate.com uh, for more resources. It, it, it Herman's ability to simplify something is, it helps people like me who I can maybe remember one sentence and apply it and, and it actually works and it's wonderful. So you can win in your relationships and you can start today. Appreciate you. See you again next time here on Life Today Live. You're about to ask big believing God for favor in my life above all that I can ask